Chapter Seventeenth of In the School Room. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. In the School Room by John S. Hart. Chapter Seventeenth Growing. Children often use the term grown up people. By it they mean persons who have come to the age of twenty or twenty one and whose bodily growth is complete. But there are other kinds of growth besides that of the body. What is a grown-up teacher? It's not difficult, certainly, to find some in every locality to whom this term could not be applied with any propriety. They've been engaged for years in the work, and yet they are the merest babes. They have no more skill than when they first took a class in hand. When a boy begins to use a penknife, he is very awkward. He cuts himself about as often as he cuts the stick. After a while, however, he learns to manage the matter better. He finds out how to handle the curious instrument with skill and even with elegance. But you will see teachers, so-called, who seem never to make any of this progress in their work. They have no more idea now than they had when they gave their first lesson of what they must do to secure attention and silence, how they must manage to keep all the children busy, how to secure good attendance or study of the lesson, how to gain affection and confidence, how to enforce order and obedience, how to do anything except to sit, book in hand, and ask the questions one after the other round the class, and see that John, George, and James severally say the answers correctly. This is the idea of teaching with which they begin, and they make no progress towards anything better. They acquire no skill. They make no growth. They are grown up bodily, but in all that pertains to teaching, they are still babes. They whittle as awkwardly and unskillfully as when the delicate instrument was first put into their clumsy fingers. They go on from year to year and learn nothing. Some persons are born teachers, just as some are born poets or mechanics. That is, they are gifted with a natural aptitude for that particular work. But those most gifted by nature are capable of improvement, and those having least natural gifts for teaching may acquire a certain and a very considerable amount of skill by proper observation and study. The point which I wish to make, and which I deem important, is that teachers should not rest content with their present qualifications. Whatever they may be, whether large or small, let it be the aim of everyone to be a growing teacher. We come short if we are not better teachers this year than we were last. We should aim and resolve to be better teachers next year than we are now. Our education as teachers should never be considered as finished. Forgetting the things which are behind, let us ever press forward. Let us constantly aim upward. Skill in teaching admits of infinite degrees, and no one will ever be perfect in it. Efforts of improvement, if persistently followed up, are always rewarded with success. And success in such a work brings a most sweet recompense. What satisfaction is equal to that of feeling that one is steadily increasing in the power of guiding and moulding the minds of others? Growing skill in anything, even in works requiring mechanical ingenuity, brings joy to the mind. 
how much more intense and pure the joy when there is a consciousness of growth in this higher department of mental power will the teacher who reads these paragraphs consider the matter are you as a teacher growing or are you working on in dull content in the same old routine on your answer to these questions depend very largely not only the welfare of your scholars and the amount of good you will achieve but your own happiness and satisfaction in your work the artist who produces some great work of genius has his reward not merely in the dollars which it may bring to his coffer but in the inward satisfaction which successful achievement produces the true artist is always struggling towards some unattainable ideal and his joy is proportioned to the nearness of his approach to the imagined perfection so in proportion as we approach in skill the great teacher will be our joy in the work itself apart from our joy in the results to be a growing teacher requires a distinct aim to this end and a resolute and persistent effort it does not come by chance it is not a weed that springs up spontaneously and matures without culture it is not the fruit of mere wishing there must be will a determined and resolute will rules and theories will not accomplish it there are books and essays in abundance on the art and practice of teaching but back of means we must have first of all the propelling power have you made up your mind to be stationary or have you resolved to go forward will you remain in the wilderness or will you advance into the promised land and take possession are you deliberate predetermined contented dwarf or will you resolutely grow you may never become a giant but do not remain an infant if there is any one duty of the teacher more imperative than another it is that of continued persistent self-improvement no element of progress is so efficient as a wholesome discontent i count not myself to have attained says the great apostle of progress to sit down self-satisfied with present attainments is in itself a sign that you have not yet risen much it is to belong to the owls and the bats of the lower valleys one must already have ascended to lofty heights before he can even see the higher elves towering beyond the teacher who would improve must in a good sense be restless he must bestir himself he must study and read and experiment attend teachers meetings and conventions and take teachers papers and find out what other teachers are doing and have done ever remembering that improvement comes mainly by comparison End of chapter 17